0: Good afternoon and welcome back. Today's guest, God bless her. She is uh, currently kind enough to keep fighting through some ten- technical difficulties, which is great, but we got her back here. She is the original co-host of It's All About Perspective and someone that I greatly talking, uh, enjoy talking to, Miss Abigail Pearson. How are you?
1: Hello, Mr. Robert Hinchliff. Thank you for having me back. I missed all these days of all our technical <laughs> trial and errors and mess ups, <laughs> but thank you for having me back.
0: Well, you know, I feel like, you know, because I haven't had many issues since you left it. Maybe, maybe you may have something. Maybe I was the
1: problem. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's
0: me. Yes. In the words of Taylor uh, Swift, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that depends on who you ask if she's a problem. Uh, but anyways, you know, you know, it is what it is. Thanks for being back. I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I know you're busy and I know um, that you have a lot going on. So I appreciate your time.
1: No, I appreciate you having me back. It's been great to watch you over the last, I think you said 20 episodes, right? That you've been doing by yourself. Yeah, this is number 20. Congratulations on that. It's been a pleasure watching you from the sidelines, uh, interviewing (laughs) and and having conversations with a variety of people. And I think diversity is great. I think it's been great. Your conversations you've been having and opening um, the ears of new listeners. So congratulations again. And thank you for having me again.
0: Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to trying to get people uh, to understand all that goes on in this, this crazy business and to get them to look at it from a different point of view. It's a challenge, but by having, having so many different people on, hopefully I can do that. So now that you're out of this, uh, out of this arena and uh, you know, not fighting technical difficulties, what are you up to these days? Are you just, uh, just doing your thing through Instagram and TikTok? How many, how many TikTok followers do you have now? hundred and what?
1: Um, it's close to, um, I want to say close to 50,000, close to 50. I, think I thought you were over
0: a hundred. Is it a hundred on Instagram?
1: In- on Instagram. Yes. But not TikTok. Okay. But I, Hey, whatever platform you can use to, um, reach teachers and bring ideas. I love hands-on learning. I love, um, sharing ideas. And, you know, the amazing thing is over the last, I would say year and a half, I've really reached a really broad audience international. So um, I have a lot of teachers from different countries that follow me and reach out to me and ask questions. And I love that. I love that. So it's not just stateside anymore. It's kind of global. And what a, what a way to make an impact outside of a classroom.
0: So how are you, like, are you traveling around? I mean, we don't talk much. I know, I know, I know you travel occasionally, but like, what have you been up to? How are you, yes. how are you reaching so, the masses?
1: So I, I, I have a passion, such a passion for education. And I have a passion for helping educators in whatever way I can. That's just me. I, I do not think I could ever sit by the sidelines and just do nothing. That's just not in my DNA. And so um, a couple of years ago, when we were doing the podcast together, I had an opportunity to work for an online university doing supervising student teachers. And I really enjoyed that. I did that for over two years, enjoyed it, gave me a lot of great experience, gave me a lot of, um, you know, just perspective from different grade levels and watching lessons and uh, watching student behaviors in action and and good lessons and lessons that needed um, some feedback. So it was great. And, um, and then um, I recently just moved into a position uh, where I am an instructional coach and I travel across the United States um, working with the, all different types of districts, small, medium, large, and with admin, with instructional coaches, with literacy strategists, and then teachers and um, working with them. So again, I still get to have my passion of, of working with educators and teachers, but um, it's in a different venue.
0: Do you find going all over the country, that when you walk into a building, you can tell this is going to be a great day or this is going to be a rough day just by the vibe of the front office.
1: So it's interesting because I was in a tiny little school district in Texas, then I was in a bigger, a larger um, school district in Texas, and then I was in a very small district in Wisconsin and a large district in Chicago. So I've been around to some different districts, and regardless of where where I've went it's been interesting to me because when you, when I've walked in the front door I haven't always been able to get the vibe right away. And I thought maybe I would, but I can tell you that um, it's, it's been a pleasure to work with different administrators and one off the top of my head. um, She made such an impact on me because as we were walking through the building, we ran into what I found out later was um, an instructional aide. And she knew everything about her dog, about this aide's dog. And they had a, a conversation about it. And she talked about getting the dog a bone for Christmas. And immediately I knew this admin is invested in her staff, not just her teachers, but her staff. And I could tell just in that interaction, and I was just I was just an observer, and I thought, wow! And she just her rapport with everyone in the school. She said hello. She acknowledged people. She was positive, and um, it was just amazing to see. And it really made a great impression on me.
0: So you make me think, <clears throat> because when people come, I'll say hi to staff members. But I, you know, I'm on a mission, so maybe I need to stop and still take the time, even though even though I'm walking someone to a certain area to still check on people as humans. So I'm reflecting on that piece. Do you find, so you're going into classrooms. (laughs) How, (laughs) how is that going? Because you're like when we go in as admin and we provide feedback, sometimes they don't even hear us. It's white noise. Some people, you know, like, the runners, they want all the feedback, even like back when I used to supervise you, I'd give you something and the next day you'd have it down. Are you finding it um, in some cases difficult to work with these people that you're trying to help or are they respectful to you because you are not an admin and so therefore you're just there to help them?
1: I think I think it, even even, it, even speaking for myself, when you would come in, there's always a bit of nervousness. And I heard a quote one time that said, when you're nervous, that means you care. And I, that's something that's kind of stuck with me because, you know, anytime you can get butterflies and you're, you know, you're a little bit nervous, it's because you care, you care about your craft, you care about what you're doing, you care about your attitude and your perspective on things. And so I think anytime somebody, you know, goes into someone else's domain, I think it's natural for teachers or for you know, for anybody to be a little bit apprehensive and a little bit, even if they seek feedback and even if they desire, Mm -hmm. you know, to know what, you know, how do I, how do I make this better? How do I, um, you know, what pieces do I need to do to increase engagement or to better help my students understand something? But I think overall, there's still apprehension. There's apprehension, especially when you don't know somebody and you don't know. Mm-hmm. So um, I try to, I always try to take the perspective of um, my sister calls it a psychological sandwich where you have like a positive and then a feedback and then a positive.
0: <laughs> You're just nicer than I am. Cause I, I, I use a, uh, sorry, Abby, I, use, I call it a shit sandwich. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> because you put in the poop in the middle, you know, like you got the good and then the poop and then the, well,
1: it's not always, and I, I guess, you know, and this is one thing that we used to talk about a lot
0: was
1: (laughs) it's not always a, um, it's not always bad. Feedback is not always bad. Feedback sometimes, you know, when we talk about our students, we talk about our growth mindset. It's not a bad thing that you got it wrong. But mistakes are a part of learning and even adults make mistakes and we have to learn to have that growth mindset within ourselves, even as adults, that that doesn't mean that it's a negative. It just means like, how do we grow from here?
0: How much of that is based upon your personality, though? Because I mean, I don't know how many teachers you've worked with, but I've worked with a few where no matter what you say. It's a negative. It's negative. You're just picking on me or I'm not going to listen to you. So how much of that is based upon your your uh, disposition?
1: Well, it is personality. We do know that. We do know personality plays a lot into how we receive things. And um, so, so you, I, I but I can only this is one thing I've we've talked about multiple times. I share now. I can only control this 360 degrees or little orbit around my body. That's it. That's all I can control. I can't control what other people do, what other people say, what other people think and the actions of others. I can only control myself. So I get to choose to be happy. I get to choose to be positive. Those are the choices that I make. And so I can't base my reactions on what somebody else does or say
0: you're not wrong. So John Hatties, basically we're doing podcast studies at Thompson and Hattie said something to where people need to get better at taking the feedback. And that's probably pretty true because no matter what, you can put a positive spin on every piece of feedback you get. Mm -hmm. It really comes down to, do you want to make it better or not? Do you value the opinion of the person giving it to you? But regardless, if you take the feedback and you chew on it for a little bit, you can find some positive in it if you want to grow. Would you agree? Yes. Well, thank you. That was the easiest agreement I got out of you in in three years. (laughs) 20 years. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Yeah, plus the time that we worked together. But have you had any teacher that you could just tell was a curmudgeon? like He or she just did not care. Because you're a you're a pretty straightforward person. And if someone was just not giving you the, you know, the yes, time of day, I just what, don't know how Robert, that would go.
1: Time has changed me. Time <laughs> no. and maturity has changed me. Because I'll tell you this. Now I can look at people and I can say, um, I can look at someone and I can I can say, Well, their their feelings on this are valid because they're overwhelmed because they're frustrated. You know, it's just like when when you and I both we you know, we both have kids and they're all older now, but when you have babies and they're having a fit, why? What is the reason behind it? There's a reason most of the time. And so as I've gotten older and I've matured and I've worked with a lot more people, I recognize a lot of times the reasoning behind the, the, the attitude or the, or the negativity is because they're frustrated or they're upset or there's something that's causing it. It's not just because, you know, because I walked in the building, it's just, it's just because there's a, there's a reasoning behind it. And I have to, I have to not take things so personal.
0: Yeah, Because you know why? Because in the end, It's all about perspective. If you can take, I think that's one of the things that I've tried to impress upon people. Zero tolerance doesn't work. You have to understand the reasoning behind why people do things. It cannot be, um, you know, everybody gets this. It has to be case by case. You don't know if that teacher's dog just died today. You don't know if their grandma's in the hospital. You don't know a lot of things. And so to get another person's perspective on, the, you know, the thing that you're teaching and why they don't like it or why they are frustrated. Like if you were in Clark County and you get in there and someone might be like, we don't have a contract yet. My principal wants me to do this. I don't want to do this. These parents are mean. These kids are bad. You know, their perspective is valid to them. It might not be valid to us or the other part of the world. So then it's taking that knowledge and using it to your advantage. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I, yes, I think that I think overall, you have to, you have to be able to look at humanity, and understand, you know, where, where people are at, and you're not going to understand, you're not going to have insight into every single person's life and every single person's situation. There's no way, absolutely no way most of the time. You know, we barely have a grasp of our own family, you know, in our own personal circle of people. And unless people are open and honest and, you know, come out and share, you know, what's happening, a lot of times it's easier for people to just stay in their own little bubble and um, and not share. And so ultimately, like I said, it all comes down to I can only control the 360 around myself. That's it. That's you're
0: it. Not, yeah, You're not wrong. So you've been around. You've also been in Vegas. You are now no longer, quote unquote, a teacher in the classroom. In your opinion, I'll give you mine afterwards. What are today's educators missing? Now we're generalizing, hugely generalizing because it certainly does not apply to everybody. But if you had to pick one area that educators are struggling in, what area might that be? Ooh, that's
1: a that's a tough question, because I have seen education change even over the last three years. And, you know, it seems like parenting has changed. I have seen more lawnmower parents in the last three years than in the last 15 years. So we went from helicopter parents to lawnmower parents. And so I I'm not I I'm not exactly I'll, sure.
0: I'll give you mine, and then you can you can agree, or you maybe I'll spur one for you. I feel like intuition. You're going to agree with that word, and are uh, common sense might be a little harsh, but there just seems to be a lot of things that people are doing that they shouldn't, or they can't adapt. They feel like they have to just follow this guideline or follow that to get to the end when in reality we know teaching doesn't work like that
1: um i think that there is a and i think sometimes that comes with a sense of like getting in trouble you know i think Valid. teachers are afraid of getting in trouble i would say 99% of teachers are in it because you know they they loved teaching they loved teaching they loved kids you know they got into teaching for the right reasons and then i think you know there's a lot of things that happen along the way and and teachers they want to do what's best they want to do what's best for their students they want to do i don't know of any teacher that's like that goes into the classroom and says well i just want to do a horrible job i just don't want my students to learn I don't really know any teachers like that. Um, yeah, no, none and do. I think I think what inhibits teachers a lot of times is the fear, is the fear of, you know, being wrong and what's wrong, yeah. you know, being wrong or being judged or being, um, you know, being embarrassed because they didn't have the answers or being, being put in the spotlight in a negative way. And I think that, that almost makes, you know, it, it makes teachers um, hesitant. It makes them hesitant because I, they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to, they really want to do what's right. They want to follow, they want to follow the rules, you know? And it's, and it's funny because I'm like, where, who makes the rules? I mean, I guess the admin makes the rules, you know?
0: Yeah. But so then I if think you're in the some-
1: district- the district makes, you know, so it's a, it's a long chain of command.
0: I think it comes down to, I think I've said this to you before. I know I've said it on the podcast. It's just control. People want to control like a teacher wants to control their environment so they don't get in trouble. Admin wants to control their environment so they don't get in trouble on up the chain, you know, superintendent wants to control the district because ultimately his job's on the line. It comes down to control. But what I found is is that when i have less control there tends to be better outcomes. So, you know, back when we were together, pretty much just let you do what you wanted to do. And i think if i would have put reins on the thoroughbred, i'm not entirely sure that you would have had as as um excellent outcomes as you had.
1: Well, i, I like i said, it, it's interesting to me to see how how education has changed over the last, you know, 20 years. And, you know, it's interesting to me how, um, you know, technology has changed tremendously, you know? And we went from, you know, chalkboards to whiteboards to, to Promethean boards to now there's these fancy, you know, boards that are touchscreen and, you know, and even Elmo's are like going away because, you know, there's like so many everything is moving at such a rapid pace and we're trying to keep up with that, you know? So I think it's, I I think it's very interesting and especially watching from the sidelines.
0: But I feel like too, and I don't know if you could, you know, ask people this or if you want to, I feel like so much of that is yes, people want control and yes, they do not want to get in trouble, but I feel like it's my job as an admin to say, try new things, please. If people didn't try new things, we wouldn't have whiteboards and Prometheans and flat panels. We'd still be using chalk. So I think that's incumbent upon myself and other admin to say, try new things. Just just think it through. Just don't, don't do not do it. I mean, don't try to, uh, you know, let's not build campfires in a classroom or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, try try new things because the new thing might lead to another new thing, which might lead to better outcomes. And so many people are afraid to try new things.
1: That's that is true, that is true, but I think overall, there has to be um there has to be a game plan, you know, there has to be some sort of path, there has to be um and and it seems to be that the path is not always clear for everyone,
0: so you've been out of the classroom for three years now, I believe four this is four, I'm sorry yeah. You left the same year I left Smith from your vantage point. Now, I mean, COVID, obviously let's just take the last two years, the, the, the world, um, the profession seems to be going back to what they did in 2019. I feel like they're gravitating right back into that. Um, where do you see, where do you see education going? Again, you have a perspective of being able to go to various States, where do you see things going? Kind of taking in the, uh, the nationwide, um, you know, landscape.
1: Well, I'm going to go back to a conversation you and I had in 2019 and we had, um,
0: your memory and, is excellent.
1: Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do admit to that. It, I do. I, I don't, don't tell me anything cause I do remember it. <laughs> um, but you and I had a conversation and I had been to some conferences and I had also the um, the opportunity to present at different conferences. And, you know, really, I, I've been very privileged in the fact that I've been able to travel. I've been able to go to, you know, lots of... Um, the one year you sent me to the National Brain Conference in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and that was amazing. That I mean, I learned so many things about the brain and how the brain operates and how it affects our teaching and how it affects students' learning. And so I've had so many fabulous opportunities over the years. And there was something in well, after going to several conferences, you and I had a conversation, and I told you I said, "FYI, these are the three things I think are coming down the pike in education," and. What I said was trauma-informed education. Yes,
0: you did. I remember this. I
1: said science of reading. Yep. And I said SEL. And those are the three things. We were
0: in your classroom. I remember this now.
1: (laughs) So. I know where I was. These are the three things that I shared in 2019. And they're not new. They just, I just was watching as it's kind of like growth mindset. When we did it, we, we were on the precipice of that many years ago. We did a book study many, many years ago, and there was very little materials out there besides Carol Dweck's book, but we had an opportunity to really put that into practice and share it and share it with schools and share, you know, we made t-shirts and all kinds of things. And, and I'm not saying we started the movement. I'm just saying that we were on that, on the on the precipice of it and I feel like I w- was watching as this was all it ushered in I really didn't even know what science of reading was. I just I just knew like I could almost sense the rumblings and it was like it was popping up here and there and I had to go do my own research and you know I over the last you know four years I've learned so much and I just see that as you know what we have learned about education in the last 25 years, and I'm going to say something that we all know, but a sign of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. And so over the last 25 years in education, we have watched some of the same things be done year after year after year, and we're not seeing we're not seeing progress. We're not seeing our scores increase. We're not seeing overall mastery of, of especially literacy school skills. You know um, they're, they're not on the same trajectory that they were. And so what are we doing? What, where, 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 where is the catch? And so I see now as the tide is starting to turn and I say it's, the ship is starting to turn and it's a cruise ship. It's not a dinghy. So it takes a long time for it to turn. It doesn't take, you know, and so I just see it as education is trying to um catch up to current research and and kind of put those practices into action and into motion. That's what I see.
0: Okay. So I believe Uh, Maybe we'll differ on this one. My belief is that if kids don't like coming to school, they're not going to come to school in today's day and age. When we went to school, it didn't matter if you didn't like it or you had the meanest teacher ever. You got up and you went to school. I believe, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for us, is that we are now contending with social media and, and parents that don't necessarily value education. And we have to make school a place that kids want to come. And if they don't want to be there, they're not invested in it. They're not going to give their best effort. So going along the lines of that, it's my belief that no matter what program or what topic or whatever, if you don't connect with kids somehow and make them want to be there, you're never going to get the best out of them. And I'm not entirely sure how many principals or how many superintendents understand that you can give I mean, you can give a teacher every resource you want in the world, but if that person cannot connect with kids, it's not going to matter.
1: I can say over overarching in all of the schools that I have been in um, over the last few years, I would say every single school that I walk into, they are there for the kids and I see all kinds of programs. You know, um, I know you have the fathead program at your school and you have, you know, every school has their, has their overarching, I I see carts of treats and I see, you know, bulletin boards with, with um, opportunities for students to meet their goals. So I see a lot of schools, every school is really working to, um, to meet kids where they're at and to make school Um, you know, fun, but at the same time, there's that balance of, you know, where, where do we have that balance? Because not everything in life is fun. Not everything in
0: life.
1: And it's subjective. Fun is subjective. So what we think fun is and what somebody else thinks fun is, is, is subjective.
0: That's valid. You have to make it inviting. That might be a better word because, and you have to have balance, you know, even at Thompson, we make it inviting. I mean, today I was buddy the elf and we got, we got, a huge sand in the, in the main hallway. And, you know, there's uh, there's inflatables everywhere and it's inviting and it makes kids excited. But at the same point in time, we just had map last week and there's expectations. There's yes. an expectation you're supposed to learn. You're supposed to walk through the courtyard. You're supposed to raise your hand in the lunchroom before you get up. So there is a balance, but I don't know if people can swing the pendulum and get it to find the right spot.
1: I think you I'm said not, the, I'm not saying we're perfect.
0: I mean we have issues too, but um, but my fear is that some schools wanna swing the pendulum way over and control, 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 or they wanna swing it way over and we gotta be fun, fun, fun. And finding the finding the balance is the key, I believe.
1: And I think you said the key word, and the key word is balance, you know, because finding that balance, but You know, again, the older I get, the more that I realize I'm becoming. I don't want to say a softy, but it's very subjective. It's very subjective because somebody's balance, you know, says, "Well, this is the right balance," and somebody else says, "This is the right balance." So, you know, again, I think ultimately we're just responsible for our own actions. We're responsible for our own words. We're responsible for, you know, the choices that we make and the things that are in our control. And that's that's ultimately what it comes down to
0: how long do you think it's going to take for the boat to turn how long do you think it's going to take for the science of reading to catch on or the science to change because science changes over time how long do you think things are going to take before they get better or are they going to get better
1: I think we have, I think one thing that works in our advantage in 2023 going into 2024 is we have the technology that we're able, now we're doing brain scans on kids as they're reading and we're able to use technology to determine, you know, what synapses are firing and what new neuron connections are being made. Whereas 35, 40 years ago, that wasn't really an option. You know, they weren't able to do use the kind of technology to determine how kids learn and what, you know, what exactly do do kids need to make those connections? It's like the brain research that that we learned, you know, even about Hattie um, in his effect sizes. You know, we know that we need to have at least 25 different exposures to a concept to to master it, you know. And so when we know these things. It's like the, you know, the know better, do better. It's like when you know these things, you're able to put that into play. But when you don't know them, how can you change it?
0: So I think it's important, though. I agree with you. Like Hattie's updated it now. It's like one to four for the for the kids that can get it. And then it's like 40 to 50 for the students to struggle. But, you know, like. It's like a. I think it's a constant. You have to have a constant growth mindset and adaptability to it. Um, you know, and and that's hard for a lot of teachers because they just get something figured out. I just get this figured out. And then now you want me to change this, or I just now have this. And now you want me to do that. If we don't have adaptability, I think that's going to cause a lot of struggle also. And, um, and sadly, let's let's talk
1: about, let's talk about about just something that came to my mind. okay? Okay. Um, we both have newer cars, let's just say newer than 2015, correct?
0: Yes, it is my husband is just bought a new truck
1: just three weeks ago. Well, within the last month, my husband got a, a brand new truck. Okay. Okay. Everything on new vehicles is run off of computers.
0: That could or okay. could not be good, but you are correct.
1: And so when your check engine light comes on. You know, we've had older vehicles and my husband has had to go take them to AutoZone and get the little plug in thing and read the code. Okay. Well, 35 years ago, probably less than that, you had to get under the hood. You had to get under yeah. the hood and you had to look for broken hoses. And I am not a mechanic, so I do not <laughs> know the terminology, but you had to, you had to, you know, and now mechanics, you know, they're working with computers. And some cars you cannot even fix without the computer, without the mechanics computer to diagnose and to, you know, compute this and compute this. And I think that's a, that's an example of how something has evolved over time. You cannot continue the same type of, of remedy when things are changing. So if you, Still want a car that um, you know ha- takes a like I said I don't even I don't even know because I'm not a mechanic I know really nothing about cars but you know you that means you'll have to probably get a car from the '90s you know a- instead of a car that's a 2020 or you know or newer because they're all run on computers.
0: Yes, in a way you just described. You know the mechanic is the teacher because. They need to be able to, quote unquote, fix various and assorted kinds of kids. And some kids are more easily, um, I don't know, unfixable is not the right word, but um, malleable than others. And ultimately, if you are the mechanic and you don't stay caught up with the times, you're going to go out of business. We're getting off on a crazy tangent here with cars, but teaching is like that. You have to adapt. If you didn't adapt to using, e- look, I wrote about this in the book with Brad Johnson. COVID required everybody to adapt to the times.
1: Absolutely, Everybody
0: had to figure out how to do things online. And I see areas that that has, uh, uh, infiltrated education, for example, you know, programs have a lot of online components now. There's there's uh, teachers who do slideshows to yeah. teach all the time now. And again, we as teachers and educators have to adapt. And a lot of people do not want to, or maybe they can't. Maybe they're maybe they're in a small town that doesn't have a lot of funds or revenue, and it's hard to get a new computer or hard things like that. Um, but we have to adapt or we're going to die as a profession i just really believe that
1: and i think overall i i think just really what it comes down to is change is hard for anybody change is hard you know um a, a personal example is you know my parents were married for 40 years my parents were married very young my parents you know spent their whole you know young adult hood and, and adulthood together. And my mom passed away at 57. My parents were just six months shy of 40 years. And my dad remarried as a 58 year old old, not not that that's old, but an older man. And the challenges that he faced as a newly married 58 year old man compared to when he was 18 was huge was huge. Nobody likes change. He, and, and I'm it, like I said, it's a personal story. And I feel at liberty to say that. But, you know, he his expectations were, it was a struggle, because he was used to how my mom did things, and how things, you know, they did things, Well, all of a sudden, you're not in the same boat anymore. You have somebody who's different, who was raised different, who hasn't been with you these last 40 years. And so change is hard. Adaptability is hard you know, and I think all humans, I would say the exception is young people. And I think we see this in younger teachers a lot, as they're easily, you know, we always say that kids are resilient, you know, and, and they're, they're adept at changing. And I think younger teachers are as well. But I think as as you get older, you like you like your things a certain way. You like your coffee a certain way. You like your you know your your bed a certain way. You you know you we all have our little idiosyncrasies of things we like, and so change is hard. And I think that's just a human nature thing. And I think overall, though, one thing I've noticed, especially in the last four years, is I have seen teachers, um, you know, even though they don't like change. They, they still, they still embrace the change because they have to, uh, you know, but, um, you know, and then sometimes they will say, oh, well, I, I found out I really like this, you know, first I didn't like it, but now I like it. So I think it's human nature.
0: I don't know that they embrace, (laughs) I don't know that they embrace the change. Some go kicking and screaming, but You're not wrong in the fact that, you know, when you try, it goes back to saying, just try something new. You might find something, a piece of it that you like, you know, like with HMH at Thompson this year, I'm like, just find the good, just find the good that works for you. And next year, build it in. And that was a struggle just with that because they had their flow down. They knew where they wanted to go. And now all of a sudden I got to go find the good. It just is. It's just an interesting profession in so many ways and when you look at any other any other profession you know i mean if you're a doctor you're gonna now you're doing 3d some people are i I think i saw a thing or heard thing where now doctors they're trying to make it to where doctors can operate through robots on people when they're not even in the same room or the same Mm -hmm. state like that is crazy when you think about it you know if you have you have heart surgery do you want the guy from new york uh you know and you live in vegas using the uh you know a computer or a robot. But that's, you know, that's where things are going to What gonna... if the
1: internet goes down?
0: No, I'm just yeah. yeah. Oh man, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, like you're 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 like, you know, you're just you're just getting ready to cut the aorta and then oh. boom. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. That's not a good thought at all. But you know like we have to adapt and adjust. If we don't, our results in 25 years from now, our results are going to be lackluster. I think too. If we as public educators don't start to do more um more successful things, charter and private are going to are going to rule the day very soon school choices school of choice is getting really big. I'm not a school of choice person because I think you should fix the school that you're in, but results matter results absolutely matter they matter in everything else except for education in a lot of ways but I see now school choice is starting to become quite prevalent because why send my my precious little baby to that school that's failing uh when i can go you know i can i can drive a mile to a school that's successful
1: i think i think the next few years in education are going to be um interesting across the board because again new technologies new a lot of challenges that we're facing Um, You know, one report that I read, which I know you're on top of, is the um, absenteeism that's going across the United States. It's not just in Clark County. It's not just in Nevada. It's all over the United Mm -hmm. States. And it has not regained since 2020. It has not regained since pre-pandemic levels.
0: Do you think... This is a good one. Do you think... COVID caused a lot of people to realize they don't need school? Uh,
1: I wouldn't, I wouldn't. They don't need to. Let me rephrase that. I actually, I actually, I
0: actually actually
1: listened to a, sorry, we're both. Um,
0: Let me rephrase that.
1: Okay.
0: Do you think COVID caused students to realize they don't need to attend school every day to pass a class i can do a few things we've moved so much online now all assignments are online in a lot of cases and you know the formative summative. i the students know i only need to do summatives do you think covid with them being online has caused them to believe i don't need to be there all the time i just need to do just enough to get by therefore chronic absenteeism has gone up
1: i think that's I I think that's definitely a possibility. I think that if grownups think, well, my kid can just do this at home on the computer, then, you know, it's not a big deal. The other thing that I've, I've read about has been parents have said, look, if 2020 taught us anything, it's to YOLO. And so I'm going to go on the vacation in the middle of the school year when rates are less expensive than the middle of the summer, you know? And, um, you know, so I don't, I don't have a, I don't really want to judge that because who am I to judge? Who am I to judge that, you know? And then the other thing is, um, I, we've had a discussion about social media before, but if you ever scroll, especially, um, short form videos, so you're looking at YouTube shorts or TikTok, um, there's sometimes a lot of really negative things about education on social media. And I one think thing, the algorithm one thing, sorry. sometimes pushes that towards grownups. And so if you're seeing a video of, of I, I remember seeing a video a couple months ago of a first grade teacher that got in trouble, not in, it, it was in another part of the country, but got in trouble for being intoxicated on, on the job. I'm sure you saw it too, because it was everywhere and they were interrogating her and, you know, they were, you know, it was, it was in the principal's office. And so when, when these videos go viral and they're out on social media, it puts a negative connotation on education. And we are that's our own fair. worst
0: enemy. No, no, we are our own worst enemy. We have, we do a terrible job of marketing the job. We generalizing. You know, like I, a few years ago I got, you know, got uh I got into a spat on Twitter and then, you know, just reflected and made some changes. Now I only I make it a goal to only post positives about the job or the school. We do a terrible job promoting this profession. Teachers all the time are like oh, five more days till winter break. Or, you know, I thought about quitting again today. Or, you know, whatever we and that's because it probably gets likes or validation that way. We do a terrible job promoting the positives of the job. And like at the Innovative Schools Conference I was at two weeks ago, we need to prop up the profession and our school as much as possible. And we do a great job at Thompson. Angie's amazing on on the social media and I put videos out. Um, You know, we we put out a lot of positives, but we can do better. You know, like we just have to promote the profession more and show the positive side of it. Otherwise, we're just feeding into the negativity. And right now, we we can't recruit people. Who who wants to be a teacher when all you see, if you look in the right spots, is negativity and negativity? You know, we need, we need to just glamorize this profession. 98% of the time, it's the best job in the world. The other 2%, they stink. But really, when you look at when every Everybody listens. When you look at social media tonight, tomorrow, whatever, what's the positive to negative ratio on education?
1: Yeah, I, well, we know it's just kind of like the old saying, you know, uh, bad news sells, you know? Yeah. I think there was, a, I think it, they phrased it another way, but, you know, good news is not, it doesn't, is not as popular as bad news. And so I would say that it's probably, you know the algorithm tends to pick up the stories that are more drama and are more negative and and like i said that's that's unfair that's unfair cuz there's such there's such positive things being done and i actually actually saw something the other day that said you know somebody needs to do a reality series on like what is actually happening in the classroom you know if you can be in some of these schools and you know, even you, Robert. How many jobs are you doing during the school day? You're doing a million jobs. You know, there's there's the assumption that you know teachers or principals or whoever are just sitting with their feet up on their desk and just you know munching their powdered donuts, and the the reality is is you know you're you're comforting students, you're you know um you're addressing situations that happen. There's all kinds of things that happen that you know, that grownups don't see, that grownups we, don't see.
0: We need to make them see that though. Again, we are our own worst enemies. You know, like you'll see, uh, by the time this airs, probably I'm guessing, you'll see, you know, you'll, <laughs> you'll see buddy, the elf at Tyrone Thompson run around trying to make kids happy about school. And you have to, you have to change the environment, you know, teachers out there. I mean, back in the old days when I used to teach, if you just move the teach you know move the desks around. It's like the craziest thing ever. Yeah. We can't keep doing the same things. And the algorithm, I think, knows that people are focused on the negatives. So it just keeps feeding them the negatives. We have a huge lift as educators, and I don't know if I'll be around long enough to do it, to change the narrative.
1: I think as we always say, and how we used to end the podcast, it's all mm-hmm. about perspective. Yeah, and yeah, I true. think if if we can just focus in on our own personal um, our own personal little, you know, orbit around ourselves. That's all we really can control and, and, um, you know, do our best to help one another, do our best to be supportive, um, be, do your best to not always assume the worst. And, and sometimes just validating somebody's feelings that I understand, you know, or, or I hear you. I I hear the words you are saying and, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm I'm thinking of you. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I don't know how
0: it's always it's just relationships. I mean, the older I get, like the more more relationships matter. And that's really, really key in this profession. You know, it's hard. It's hard sometimes as admin to to give grace to certain people. But we have to. You know, you hit your limit. Everybody hits their limit. But, you know, everybody's running their own race and and you don't know what they got going on. Last question before I let you go. Could you ever go back to the classroom full time?
1: Um, I I absolutely love teaching. I absolutely love that teaching. That wasn't the question. <laughs> I absolutely, I think um, if I, I, I've learned never to say never. I've learned never to say never. That's true. Um, so I think it's foolish if I were to say, I would never go back. Um, but we worked with somebody, you know, in our previous school and she told me one time, she said, you know, Abby, she's like, you make a huge impact on your 23 littles that are in your classroom, but what you do outside of the classroom has an effect on time, you know, 23 times. However, many, and so um, I I really would love you know I think I have a positive attitude I think I have a supportive approach and I think that um, sometimes seeing somebody who is has that perspective I think is sometimes helpful not always so I think I have a lot to offer outside of the classroom and um so i will leave it as that i will never say never um but i love making a difference with students and staff and admin and teachers all over
0: that's a great that's a great uh point of view uh, i have to go i have to go to chicago in february to present which is fun it's awesome but i have to miss two days of school to do it and it's just ugh, like, I don't miss work. I just don't. But the reason that I can rationalize it in my brain is that I'm going to make a bigger impact mm-hmm. on the profession and on more people. And so you I think your point of view there is, uh is right on. So um, I love connecting with
1: teachers. I love connecting with, um you know, just sharing ideas. And sometimes it's, The little things, that's one thing that I found is sometimes it's the little tips and tricks. It's the little, you know, I share about sticky notes a lot, you know, because you can do a lot with sticky notes a lot Mm -hmm. whether you're admin whether you're a coach whether you're a teacher you can do so much with just sticky notes and so i think sometimes sharing even those the, the things that are seemingly so insignificant and small i think when you can share those um they make a big impact and i'm i'm proud of of those small things making a big impact
0: i agree i agree well i appreciate you coming back it's good to talk to you again And, uh, you know, of course, we'll have you back again in the future. I certainly hope you'll come back. But one thing I I greatly appreciate is that I know that you know that no matter where you stand on things, in the end,
1: it's all about perspective.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Abby. Appreciate your time.
1: Thanks for having me.